0: Hello, adulting well listeners. This is Pepper, aka Joshua, aka Pepper, here to tell you about Anchor. So, we used to host our podcast on another service, and we had this show for maybe three or four years at this point. And we got some metrics and things, but we didn't have a lot to do with them. And we recently switched over to Anchor. And what's amazing about it is it has all the metrics for the show, so you can see you know, how many downloads you get and things like that, but it, it also lets you engage with the audience, uh, in ways that our old service couldn't. So for instance, we can have polls, we can ask listeners to, uh, leave us messages and questions and things like that. And we can, uh, put them on the air super easily and answer those questions. Just, uh, just one example, but there are just a lot of different ways that we can, um, engage with you now that we're using anchor. So, uh, This is our first ad, and it's for this service that we're using to provide this podcast to you, and I think it's uh, actually a really, really good service. Um, And if you have a podcast, I recommend it. You can download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Uh, Thanks for uh, pausing with me for a second. Now back to the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Adulting World well Podcast. I am your co-host, Joshua, and with me, as always,
2: is the beautiful <laughs> co-host, Kevin. And uh, we have a close friend and uh, all-around amazing human on today, uh, Danny Burleson, who is a writer, a teacher, a certified trauma yoga instructor, as well as a single mom, um, not in order of importance, any of those things. But uh, we are e- e- excited to have her on. Um, Danny and I have known each other a pretty long time, and uh, we'll definitely share a couple of funny stories when we get uh, further along oh, that dear. are not embarrassing for you, but maybe <laughs> embarrassing for the other people involved. So, oh, God. Um, but Danny, right. welcome to the program. And and I think one of the things that there's a lot of very relevant things happening in the world that I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts about because you're a deep thinker. And uh, But um saw that my man Bernie dropped out of the race today. Oh. So maybe we could talk about that really quick before we get into to your thoughts about uh, being an adult and uh, and doing the things you do, which are really quite amazing.
1: Wow. Yeah. Bernie dropping out was such a... Bummer, especially after John Prine died yesterday. I was like, mm. what in the hell is even happening right now? Um, I don't know. I'm am still kind of processing it. I actually really love Elizabeth Warren. I'm like, maybe she can come back. Maybe her and Bernie can come back together. Um, yeah, I am still kind of processing that. I'm kind of bracing myself for the next election. I'm not excited about Biden at all. But he is better than Trump. A lot better. Yeah, a lot better. And, you know, people hate him and they're thinking, oh, God, I don't want this guy in the White House, blah, blah, blah. But it's not just about him. It's about who he can appoint to the Supreme Court and all of these other things around women's rights and all of that. So
0: who he hires to uh, help
2: us in crisis.
1: Yes.
0: totally.
2: (laughs) And depending
1: on like who his running mate is, too
2: right well i think one of the things that can be said which has been said um is that definitely bernie's uh popularity and his success during this election cycle so far has kind of pushed the narrative to the left a little bit for the democratic party i for one am not a believer in the two party system so it's really hard for me i'm not much of a get in line guy so it's hard yeah. to kind of like wrap my head around that and i think you and i have found some common ground on that in the past that it's hard sort of wanting to like throw a grenade into a two party system but yet want the lesser of two evils to win yeah. at the same time. So um, Yeah.
1: It's it's difficult. And I think that it's so funny that lesser uh the lesser of two evils. I always think about that Utah Phillips quote where voting for the lesser of two evils is still voting for evil. And I, you know
0: <laughs> I don't look at it like that. I look at it as as pushing left, always pushing left. Yeah. You know? That's that's how I look at it.
1: Yeah, I just was so stunned because I feel like this is the perfect moment for Bernie to win all of the things that he's, he believes in this is like this perfect opportunity for him to um, show his leadership skills and lead the country in a really positive direction and just felt really deflating to wake up this morning and read that news for sure.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we could, we could make the whole show about that. I just wanted to kind of <laughs> yeah. get your quick thoughts too. I, you know, I, um, but what, what really interests me is, you know, I think that, um, you've really done an outstanding job in your career, uh, writing, you know, doing that as a career. I mean, it's, it's not easy to be, you know, in any form of the arts, whether it's novel writing, poetry, you know, music, painting and be able to actually like, you know, and I know obviously it's not like you're, you've got some windfall of millions of dollars, but at (laughs) least like figure out a way to sort of support the thing that gives you the, you know, the energy to sort of carry on. I mean, it's, you know, it's like a, it's a huge deal. And I'd, I'd like to kind of hear a little bit about maybe, you know, what inspired you when you first started writing, when you were first published and what inspires you now to kind of keep going. Cause I know that the world can be a difficult place and you've had some, (laughs) some trauma in your life. So, you know,
1: Um, you know, it's funny. I think when I first started writing for publication um, about 12 years ago, 10 or 12 years ago, I had been working as a social worker or a case manager at um, a nonprofit and um, was the housing coordinator, housing and outreach coordinator working with homeless veterans and I managed this transition house, all of this stuff, and so during that time, it was very, very stressful. Um, my kid, as you both know, my um, daughter's father had died. All of these things were going on, and I just got really burnt out, and decided I'm going to give writing a shot see what happens, I decided to, I had a bunch of health issues, left my job, um, took a journalism class at the JC actually, and started interning at the Bohemian with Gabe and um, Gretchen, who was the editor at the time. And I did that for that semester. And then it just kind of transitioned into a regular freelance gig for me for a couple of years. And I just kept taking opportunity after opportunity and never turning any opportunity down for the next couple of years. Um,
0: Were all the opportunities, uh, bent in a way to tell the kind of things you wanted to tell, or did you like take opportunities and like kind of make them into your own?
1: You know, a little bit of both. Um, The writing I did at the Bohemian, pretty much like we'd have the, we'd have meetings every Monday where we talked about the future issues and I would just pitch ideas and they either took Mm -hmm. them or didn't take them. So I had a lot of um, freedom in what I was writing. I was never assigned anything. I was freelance. Then when I left there, I was a staff writer at the Pacific Sun in um, Marin County. And that was a little bit different. I did get to pitch a lot of stories and write about social justice stuff that was happening but I also did get um, stories assigned to me as I did with the press Democrat when I was writing for them for a little bit. Um, Yeah, I, there were some things I wrote that I look back and I'm embarrassed. (laughs) The worst was when I was writing for the press Democrat. This is like my, this was my last straw. The editor was like, we want you to write about this blind dog with glasses. <laughs> <The> Sunday
0: feature.
1: He's <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a really, um, they're called, they're called doggles. And I was uh,
0: like,
1: Jesus Christ, I have to do this. Like this, I have a contract with this newspaper to write these Sunday features every week. And, you know, I got to pick some things and pitch a few things and that was like my last.
0: That's so yeah. cool. Everyone it's made amazing. so much fun yeah. of me. I, as a friend, just watching from the sidelines and watching you kind of like your writing kind of turn into a career has been pretty inspirational for me anyway. Oh,
1: thanks. Um, yeah. It's pretty exhausting. It's, you yeah. yeah. <laughs> know. Well,
0: yeah, because you, I watch from the, I, you know, I'll see like you have different things coming out and I think, oh, that's how you do it. You just like keep going and going and going and going, right? And just never yeah. give up. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I've had my moments for sure, but it's it's definitely a hustle, Um, except for, you know, when I've had these like contract positions, like I wrote a weekly column for the Chicago Tribune for three years until that folded and they let go of like half of their staff. Um, and then the Pacific Sun I was with for about three years, too. But then it's like, there's no guarantee, really, you know?
0: Yeah, um, I'd have right.
1: regular gigs at newspapers or magazines for a while and then something would happen and it just would fold and then I'd have to hustle again. Um,
2: yeah. So that. so were you a, like a zine writer when you were younger, too? Did you like do any of that kind of stuff or is this something that happened later on? Because I'd, I'd also like to kind of hear how, you know, I mean, originally I would see you around at shows and stuff in the like mid 90s ish. Um, in Petaluma,
0: you right.
1: know, which,
2: um, you know, so you were around and in the punk scene down there. And, you know, we share quite a few really close friends as well that, you know, right. that all of us kind of, you know, grew up in Northern California, going to shows, um, you know, so were you ever involved in like doing zines at that time?
1: You know, it's really funny. Um, where I grew up, I had no idea what a zine was. There was no cool music scene. There was nothing. So I did not have a cool time as a teenager. Where <laughs> did you upbringing. grow up? <clears throat> I grew up outside of Red Bluff in Derryville. There were about 175 people there, and I'm one of 10 kids.
2: Really? Um, yeah. I thought 10? Red Bluff was
0: a small town. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: What kind of kid were you?
1: Um. You know, I... That's a really good question. I was just a weird kid that was outside out in the orchards by myself a lot, um watching Little House on the Prairie. Um and then in high school, I was kind of a metalhead, honestly. I like mm. had like a metalhead boyfriend for about 3 years, um the last couple years of high school and the first year after high school and I went to a lot of Metallica concerts and listened to like Pantera and Sepultura. And all
0: oh all man, hardcore. Things pantera is no joke i had no idea oh my god
1: i know i know people are like oh you have
0: (laughs) i would not have guessed
1: i know did you say 10
0: 10 siblings yeah and where are you in that i I I think i
2: knew actually
1: yeah i will back up a minute though i was kind of gothy until i got the metalhead boyfriend so i did have there were like five between five and ten like skater slash goth kids at red bluff high school that like I'm still actually friends with. They totally changed my life because I was just listening to like top 40 music until I got into high school. And I met my friend, Mike, and he was like, you should check out this band, The Pixies. And I was like, this is blowing my mind. Um,
0: That's the moment. That's the moment you're like- Oh, totally. Yeah, that's great. We're
1: totally still friends. Like he lives up in Humboldt and has like a radio show and he's amazing. Um, So out of the- Ten kids. There were nine of us that grew up together, and I was the seventh out of that batch.
2: Whoa! (laughs) I was in the second litter. I I think the reason I even know this is because we talked about your mom. Mm, Right. And I mean, that's I mean, ten kids. Yeah, that's just incredible. Like how? So we're in the house right now with one, two and a half year old, and my (laughs) older daughter is at her mom's house. We're trying to work out some kind of safe transfer for her. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: But like having one child in our house right now, I feel like I'm going insane. So, like, your mom must have just been like, like, seriously, mentally tough. Like Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, so she, the nine of us that grew up are all her kids. I have an older brother from my dad that I actually didn't meet until I was in my 30s. Oh, wow. Um, his name is also Danny. Interesting. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Anyway, so... You know, we were spaced apart every like two and a half to three or four years, and so I don't think none of us were all in the house. I don't think at the same time it was like one would transition out and then another oh, one would right. be born, kind of. But still, there were like seven or eight of us at the, at a time. That's crazy. Um, I, I don't honestly. I don't think my mom had any time to think about anything. Right, we had right. this huge garden. We grew our own food. We had chickens. We lived way out in the middle of nowhere. And she made our clothes like we were super poor and really rural and isolated. And she I just think she just went. She was just on from the moment she woke up until she went to sleep. I don't think Is she was really a religious
0: had thing going on there. No, the, okay. no,
1: no. Just po- <laughs> poverty. Yeah
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: yeah. Rural California.
2: Definitely yeah. rural, rural out there.
1: Yeah, for sure. So
2: have you have you written about any of the stories from growing up with all these family members?
1: Um, I'm working on something right now and it's challenging. Um, I I mean, I'm not close with most of my family at all, um, at all, like really any of them, like I'll talk to some of them, maybe like once a year or something, none of them live here. I'm pretty much kind of isolated from them. And it still feels challenging to write real stories about how I grew up and what my childhood was like, you know? Um, and it's so funny because I tell my memoir students, like, it's your story, you own your experience, you need to write your own truth, if your memory is valid, and blah, blah, blah. But then when it comes down to me, actually sitting down and writing these stories, it's it's challenging. It's a lot of anxiety. What's challenging
0: you know. about it? Does it feel petty or something?
1: Um, Not petty. I feel like the times I have written about incidents in our family when I was younger, um, mm-hmm. I think it upsets people because there's still a lot of secrecy around
0: oh, right. some of
1: the experience. Like there's a lot of dysfunction and addiction and abuse and all kinds of things and um, everybody
0: isn't honest about that with themselves yet
1: well yeah and I mean there's things there are things about me that I wouldn't want one of my siblings to write about I wouldn't want people to find out about certain aspects of my life from reading somebody else's book so I get it Mm -hmm. so it's you know trying to hone in and like this is my experience and kind of leave some of the siblings out of it or yeah it's complicated it's complicated
0: for sure. Interesting. Yeah. I think we might have lost Kevin.
2: I'm here. <laughs> I, have, I, have a, I have a one and a half year old and or two and a half year old in the room.
0: This is <laughs> this is the <laughs> the lockdown podcast. Usually we re- we record
2: yeah. in a studio and we're trying yeah. out this new software. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: I think that's part of the fun. It is. It is. I, I just you know I'm and I'm I'm intrigued by you know the balance that you're trying to sort of keep writing you know doing this the stories about growing up but trying to sort of not make it too personal for <laughs> people that are going to get upset in your life you know
1: yeah yeah it's i mean
2: I, just I, and quite honestly part of the the intrigue for me is just knowing you and your sort of your the years that I've known you, just your bluntness in how you speak and the way you write and the things that you write about and, you know, just kind of owning who you are. And, and, you know, I just think it's interesting that it's, it's got to be a kind of a natural at this point to try to tiptoe around things for you.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely, it's so funny because I'm not working right now. My, um, the program that I teach in at the Santa Rosa junior college has been canceled for the rest of the semester. And at first I was like, oh, this is this opportunity I've been wanting to really just dig in and write these stories and honestly, I'm doing everything except that. I've got like this interview series, I'm posting three interviews a week on my blog, on my website. I'm hosting oh, wow. a, I'm hosting like a Zoom literary event every Tuesday night. I'm hosting a drop-in writing workshop on Mondays. <laughs> I'm like doing all of this stuff for other writers and other creative people and like I haven't touched my my story at all
0: well well, you're that's amazing though because you're you're like (laughs) planting all these seeds where do people go if they want to if they want to participate in this stuff or learn more about it
1: um people can go to my website it's just dannyburleson.com and in my events section I have um links and information about who's reading and actually michelle gonzalez was one of my readers last night um
2: nice did you listen to her interview yet
1: i haven't listened to it yet i was going i'm gonna do it tonight
2: she's uh yeah she she was great
1: she's great yeah she was in the anthology that i just published in um september and we've done a bunch of literary events together over the years and i just adore her she's fantastic
2: she really is. She, she just like, it was such a quick, it just, the time, you know, the time goes fast no matter who we're with, but right. with her, it was just like, bam, we're done.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it,
2: it was, it was almost shocking. But um, so going back to your writing a little bit and what I mentioned, you know, you, you're an incredibly honest writer. Like I, I feel like there's like not a lot spared and you don't suffer fools. So, you know, which I think probably is why (laughs) when you were talking earlier, I was like, you know, of course she liked Elizabeth Warren because Elizabeth Warren is incredibly intelligent and doesn't suffer fools. So Yeah. Um, also,
0: this all sounds incredibly heavy, but Danny also has like these incredible dating stories that are Oh
1: my God. You know what's so funny is last night actually and I'll I'll get back we can get back to the writing thing, but before <laughs> I forget, last night when Michelle and Margaret and Leilani all like kind of logged in so we could check the the sound and everything for the Zoom event we were talking about the different kinds of ads that keep popping up on Facebook and mine are for Dating sites, neck <laughs> cream, and like workout videos. <laughs> I
2: was just like,
1: guess what? Facebook, fuck you. You're rude. <laughs> it's so rude.
2: That's funny. <laughs> yeah, Facebook has no filter with that stuff. Does oh it? my
1: god. I'm like, is it that obvious? That yeah,
2: it's I get. I get ads for like again? for like uh, like men's uh, bald men's shaving. Like razors and oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's all funny. I
0: get are stuff like like different devices that are supposed to help with my posture. Yeah, <laughs> you get those too. Those are, those are that's definitely those are definitely
2: in the mix. I'm like fuck, you're right. You fucking <laughs> internet.
1: Oh my god, it's they're totally spying. That sucks. Oh,
2: they are okay, spying for sure. Okay,
1: sorry. I just like had to detour there for a second. I, believe uh, me, the I'll take... they're not
0: spying. We all click accept and we <laughs> yeah. go to every fucking website before <laughs> so we can. do whatever we need to do
1: yeah that's true that's true um okay sorry you're saying something
2: (laughs) i was just talking about your writing and your your oh yeah you know the fact that your style your style is incredibly honest i mean have you gotten whiplash from or not
0: whiplash but like have people said like whoa i didn't want you to write what you wrote
2: um
1: (laughs) ex-boyfriends (laughs) i mean one ex-boyfriend in particular i years ago like maybe 10 years ago when i had my mcsweeney's column i did not people didn't know who he is and knew the circumstances of our relationship absolutely knew it was him but i didn't give any identifying information right nothing but he knew and he was so pissed the first one he's like i don't know if this is He just like emailed me every time a column would come out and I didn't even refer to him and every one of them. It was like maybe two, but one of them was, um, (laughs) I don't know if this is the first time you've referred to me as a douchebag in print, but I don't appreciate it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know what I say to to Um, people that say things like that? Oh, then don't act like a douchebag.
1: I know.
0: I know. Yeah. <laughs> totally. That's a hard, that takes a long time to learn that lesson though, Kevin.
2: It, uh, yeah. 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 Believe me. I'm actually, there, there are days right here right now where I'm learning that lesson again. And totally. again,
1: yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I actually fictionalized a story about an experience with him for my short story collection that just came out. And, um, Darwin made helped me. He wrote the music for it. Meredith Johnson narrated it. Um, oh, wow. Will cool. McCollum did the video. It's called Shark Week and it's quote unquote fiction, but it's very much based on that same ex boyfriend. That's um, awesome. Yeah. It ended up, the video ended up being super cool. And the music is that
2: that on your site as well.
1: Um, it should be. If it's not, I will put it up tonight. Yeah.
2: Excellent. Sweet. We'll put we'll a link to, to the it. site too on the show notes. And yeah. for those that don't know who she's referring to, um, Darwin Meaners or Miners is a, just a longtime Santa Rosa guy, incredibly talented musician.
1: Yeah. Um, he and, did such an amazing job. He wrote the whole, I just like told him what kind of music I was, wanted for it and sent him a couple samples of songs that I liked. And he just, the score is perfect. Like he did such an amazing job.
2: He's that guy. He is so, that guy. so what kind of influenced your, I mean, you know, I don't know, I, I try not to force people to get personal, but oftentimes <laughs> we do here. You, you had, um, you know, you moved to Sonoma County, you got into a really serious relationship and mm-hmm. um, uh, had a child with said, said serious relationship. And I'm yeah. just wondering kind of like how all of that and the way that ended and then sort of the, and, you know, in full transparency like i was not with you in new york when you ran into him again when he oh, in years, but i was texting back and forth with ben and i was there in new york i <laughs> met with ben later because we were all protesting the rnc that year
1: yeah shit that And um
2: so and crazy. It, he just it, there was a point where he's like i was on the phone with him and he's like i got to fucking go and like, like <laughs> that was the moment that that all went down. Um, yeah. We
1: were in front of the UN and actually Walter Biggert was there and he right. put his arms around me and just like moved. Me. He's like, you are not getting in a fight right now. There are like riot cops everywhere. We're in front of the UN. He's like, you're not getting beat down by the police for like confronting this guy. Yeah. It was <laughs> it was so crazy. Yeah. I almost forgot about that. Jeez. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, you know. So was our, our, that was 2004, so, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was during the 2004 presidential election and uh, the Republicans were nominating their their guy. Was that 2004 yeah. or 2008? 2008? I, no, it was 2000. No, was Obama won in 2008.
1: Yeah. yeah. 2004 yeah. because it was the first time the RNC had been in New York, and it was just a couple years after September 11th, and yeah, everyone and was pissed about them exploiting crazy. that. And it was, there. Were, yeah, there were hundreds of thousands of protesters there. It was and insane. there was,
2: there was like riot cops in full military gear everywhere. Everywhere.
1: everywhere.
2: Yeah, I was there with
1: Leela Cugini and Terry, hmm. and yep. Ben was there, and Walter was there. Yeah, it was totally insane. It was crazy.
2: Wild times. So essentially to not be as like sort of what happened, Danny ran into her ex (laughs) that she had not seen or had not returned calls or whatever else was going on at that time. And
0: not speak
2: poorly of people that are now gone, but it, you know, it was a really, and I just wonder, like, that was sort of like. When you were transitioning into doing writing, right? I mean, that yeah. sort of like right at the same time, how those kind of experiences has influenced your your writing style as well. Cause yeah. it's not like you're 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 writing honestly about things that never happened. You're writing honestly about a lot of times things that are influenced by your real life situations.
1: Yeah. Um, so I was mostly just writing for myself and doing zines and things like that back then um, and started, you know, really diving into trying to get published um, after Dave died. And he died in um, 2008. And was it 2008? Yeah, 2008. Um, so yeah, it definitely influenced things. I mean, it his suicide was very unexpected when it happened, um, really threw me off. It was very, yeah, just the shock of that combined with having a very stressful job really (laughs) contributed to some serious health issues I had. And I left my job, um, right after he died, a client of mine also killed himself, a homeless Mm. veteran. And it was just like, it really pushed me into evaluating, my life and where I was putting my energy um, until then I was doing like food, not bombs for 10 years, doing every activist thing I could get involved with cop watch, organizing, marching, protesting the war, all of the stuff. It was really outward focus. Um, and my kids were little, right? So God, Simon was born in 95. So my kids were little then like yeah. 10 or 11. Um, Ava was seven. So I was doing all this stuff the whole time my kids were little and it just really forced me to like literally just stop. Cause I was so sick and I had to really evaluate like, okay, I'm the only parent these kids really have. I, this is not sustainable. Like doing all this activism, putting myself out there, balancing that with raising kids by myself. It just really, really made me look at what I was doing. And so I started writing Seriously, around that time, gave myself a year limit, like I'm going to see what I can do in a year. If this doesn't pan out, if this is too hard for me, I'm going to go back to school. I applied for this doctorate program at um in anthropology actually at CIAS and ended up not doing it partly because I still have <laughs> I'm still in debt with my student loans. Um but I just yeah, it really kind of forced me to do something that I felt was more sustainable for me. And part of that was writing about social justice issues, writing about trauma and all of those different things. Um, I felt like it was, it reached more people. um, And it made, for me, it made a bigger impact than, you know, me just like going to a protest march or trying to organize. I mean, some of the stuff I did as an activist did make a big difference, but also it was just, the writing is very much, um, it's as much for me as it is for, you know, publications or getting news out or information out to people. It's
2: cathartic for you?
1: For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I
2: can imagine. I mean, yeah. so how did you um, sort of hone your skills? Because a lot of your writing, you know, both the columns and the books deal with women's issues yeah. and I mean that doesn't just take experience oftentimes it takes like a lot of research around sort of how things have gotten the way they are you know mm-hmm. I mean I just I mean it's you know it's like it's it must be incredibly time intensive along with like emotionally draining reliving some of the the traumas as well
1: yeah um <laughs> yes <laughs> yes it is um It's also, there's this piece of that, like with the anthology, that's all about women's bodies and anger and relationships. You know, I have like, I worked with what, like 29 or 30 different women for that book, you know, either I interviewed them or I edited their pieces for the book and yeah, it was really hard to read some of the material. And there's this piece that's like this connection piece that I got this kind of more, more of like a solidarity piece. Um, that kind of countered some of the stress or the anger, the depression, or that overwhelm that you get when you read story after story after story about women um, being abused and, you know, all sorts of different things. Um, So bringing all of those stories together felt good. There There was that. It didn't just drain me. There was something I got out of that too, where I felt proud of the book. I felt Hmm. this connection with all of the writers um, that that's I wouldn't have right. had if I wouldn't have solicited them or, you know, <laughs> bullied them into submitting to my book. So
0: that's so. amazing though, because it's like people like you, like, I don't know, all, all this writing happens because someone has to bully people getting <laughs> it done. You know,
1: Yeah. But, you know, I had no, like these women, everyone I contacted that agreed to be a part of that book. um, It was not hard to wrangle them. I mean, it was, you know, trying to coordinate and stuff sometimes, but like women meet their deadlines. They were awesome. It was, they were every single person I interviewed or edited their piece. Every single person in that book was super amazing to work with. I feel really- Can you imagine having having a
0: woman president? It's all I think about. It's like, it's all I think about.
2: Me too. My my 11-year-old daughter is asking incessantly if... No, I shouldn't even say incessantly. She's asked a bunch of times, though, whether or not the nominee of Biden's going to pick a woman for vice president. Didn't
1: he say he would? He He
2: did. He said that during the debate. uh, Is he going to pick that governor? That's the only thing. Who's Stacey Adams? Yeah. She didn't win... She ran. Abrams? Or Abrams, the, I mean, yeah. Abrams, yeah. Oh my yeah, God,
1: Georgia. That, that would be amazing. So yeah, that that,
2: amazing. that was one of the people that were mentioned. Um, you know, I I would I would be happy with Elizabeth Warren too. If you, oh
1: yeah. <laughs> it'd be nice to have a person. It'd be nice to have a person of color though too. I, and I definitely amazing. Yeah.
2: Until until the poll started changing on her, and I could see, you know the writing was kind of on the wall. I, she was definitely my first choice. It just yeah you know, it's just so. I voted so, for her, yeah. So, so amazing. Just so smart and, you know. Yeah, yep.
1: and just straightforward and honest and, like, yeah.
2: Yep. Missed an opportunity. Uh, this country just missed a, an opportunity.
0: Just a smart, cool, regular person. Yep.
1: Oh, my God. This year so. sucks, you guys.
2: <laughs> I know. I just asked for a refund, actually,
1: on this social media. I want,
2: I, want a, I want a return shipping label, and I want a full refund for 2020 right <laughs> now. Here. Oh Can my Amazon God. hook that up? They seem to be able to do everything else.
1: This year started terribly for me, you guys. I, oh. like, a couple weeks in, got fully, I'm not exaggerating, I got ghosted by my boyfriend that I was with for, like, nine months. Then I met somebody really great and went out with this guy a few times who's really great, and he lives in Marin, and then the them were quarantined.
0: No. <laughs> oh, brutal. <laughs> Yeah. That's a great story though someday, right? If you like uh,
2: right before the quarantine. And then yeah. you can work it out afterwards. It would be even better. <laughs> yeah. right.
1: That was my side thing. So that's that's how my my 2020 started. Um and then I Ugh. had a couple of really amazing book launch events for my short story collection that was published in February. I went to Arizona and I went had this book launch there with my publishers and it was amazing. And then I collaborated with the Imaginist theater in Santa Rosa and they kind of adapted a couple of my stories for like this theatrical reading performance where we showed the shark week movie that Darwin worked on with me. And oh, it was cool. amazing. And so it was like, those two were back to back. And then right after that, the second event, the last event at the theater was on March 7th. <laughs> so oh, was like, Yeah. So I'm feeling this kind of um, publication hangover. It's like a thing, I guess. I had a book oh. in September and another one in in February. And so there's all this hype and really like, you know, hustling to like get book reviews and do interviews and do all of this stuff. And then everything just all of a sudden in my personal life, in the world, in my professional life, everything just like stopped in March. It's That's insane. Crazy. Yeah.
0: What are you most looking forward to?
1: Oh my God. I don't know, honestly.
0: Uh.
1: I want to go get tacos. <laughs> I want to <laughs> see my friends. Yeah. We like Zoom a couple times a week, but it's not the same. Um, yeah. yeah. I. Yeah, my life is in a very weird place right now because my 19-year-old who still lives with me is probably going to move this summer. Um, so that's uh, happening. That's happening. Is that
0: going to be hard for you?
1: Yeah, it's so hard. Yeah, we're super, super close. And I'm her only parent and we see each other every single day. You know, we're so like, where we're is late. she
2: living? Where, I mean, where is she going to be moving? Do you know?
1: Um, she wants to maybe move to Portland.
2: Oh, um, Nice.
1: Yeah, no. (laughs) No.
0: (laughs) Portland's great. I might move to Portland.
1: Yeah. Then there was this job I was really hoping I was going to get, and that would have started in the fall, and I didn't get it. So I'm just like in this, and I don't know what's happening with the program I teach in. It might be canceled, like... Everything's, I'm in this like very weird um, midlife crisis situation right now.
2: It's a lot. So when you say the books, can you, do you mind giving us the titles of the the latest books that we can, we want to make sure that we're also plugging (laughs) the projects that you're working on.
1: Yeah. So the anthology that I mentioned um, is called All of Me, Stories of Love, Anger, and the Female Body. And that was published by... PM Press in September. So you can PM Press is actually having a sale right now. I think it's like, I think they're still doing everything it was like 40% off because hmm. you know, publishers are really hurting right now. Um, so that was the anthology that I have interviews and essays and articles from all sorts of different women. Um, And a couple non-binary folks. And the second book that came out in February is called Some Places Worth Leaving. And it's a short story collection that has a lot of uh, kind of revenge fiction in it. Some of them kind of turned into horror stories. I wasn't.
2: (laughs) Amazing. I
0: didn't
1: didn't mean to, but some dudes were murdered by.
2: Were they both published by PM?
1: No, that one is published by Tolson Books in Arizona. Yeah. Great. Yeah.
2: Interesting. So on the, it, now I, I, I think I remember you'd put out a call for non-binary and trans women at one point, and I introduced you to my friend Cheyenne. Did, did yeah. anything ever come of that?
1: Yeah. You know, um, she, we talked on the phone a couple of times. I was going to maybe interview her and then she was going to maybe write something and it just didn't, I yeah. ha, I was, you know, getting close to my deadline. So there just wasn't time, but I had really hoped to include her and it was great talking to her because we have so many mutual friends like people from up here people from oakland
2: yeah yeah she she's amazing i i just she she came out and saw um she came out and saw my band at gilman actually
1: oh awesome yeah that's great
2: hey one one thing because we're getting close we try to keep it to around 45 minutes i do want to ask because joshua and i have been tossing this question around i mean Hmm. I know that I know like the neighborhood that you live in, in Santa Rosa, and I know all of mm-hmm. your neighbors um, yeah. and you, you all do a really cool thing and you check in with each other. And that's why we scheduled this at the time we did. Oh, um, yeah. But what, I mean, what are you doing? Like, just give us something that you're doing to kind of stay sane. And then, um, you know, what you're doing like as an adult now that you, you know, that you never thought you'd do.
1: mm. Um, going to bed early. <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> no, I've been Good going cumbersome. to bed early Oof. for years.
1: I've been going to bed early for years. Definitely checking in, like climbing into the treehouse and saying hi to my neighbors from across the fence a couple times Aww. a week. Helpful. Um, I'm doing some like weird online like workout things, and um, and then I'm just like organizing all of these events and interviews and things like that.
2: Yeah. So very cool. Well, tell Chris support. to keep playing because when he, oh. he gets out there and plays and then puts it up on on social media it's pretty amazing.
1: I know, it's really sweet. It's sweet. Yeah. It's hard. We keep talking joking about having like a big crazy like drug party when this is over, but then I'm like <laughs> none, of do, none of us do drugs anymore and no thanks.
2: <laughs> so so you're what's your kind of your next thing and then, you know, we want to obviously you're working on this this book about your your childhood um yeah. anything else you're working on right now that you want to share yeah with us before we i'm working on
1: a i'm working on two book projects i'm working on that which is more memoir it's kind of written in a very <clears throat> different format structure and then i'm working on a non-fiction book too um where i'm just like still kind of in the research stages i've written a couple chapters in my book proposal and all of that so i'm trying to decide which I want to put all of my energy into because it's hard to work on two things at once. So
0: yeah.
2: Right on. We we definitely appreciate having you on and um, when your new books come out, maybe we should do a follow-up and see how things transpired with your family and, you know, oh my god! Uh, and I'm super yeah, we could do to it.
0: I should do, do two a year, right? Where we check in, like first I, half of the year sucks.
2: I, <laughs> I think we year. should, you know. And, <laughs> and I, I, I my ex
1: <laughs>
2: Yeah, for those that haven't read Danny's writings, I would definitely like if you want to really get the like kind of go through the the process with her. I would say, I don't know how much is archived from the from the. um, from the like early alt publications, like the Bohemian and stuff, but mm-hmm. the McSweeney stuff is amazing. Yeah, um, that's up there it's really great. And I know that's all still there. Cause I've actually gone back to a couple of them over the last couple of weeks since we asked you yeah. to come on. Oh, and, awesome. um, it's really fun. Like some of it's really funny. It's just like, so good. Um, so on point and you'll get a good feel for her, what I'm talking about with her like real honest writing style. And then, you know, the, the, the books are, are amazing. I'm going to go to PM press myself and, and grab that, that new anthology.
1: Um, I just wrote a post for I, them. They have a series called, um, all we have is each other, I think is what it's called, where they have different authors write blog posts about like, you know, mutual aid or whatever. And I wrote a thing about dealing with trauma while you're also like personal trauma, while you're also dealing with global collective trauma um, that was just published like two weeks ago. So that's up on their PM press blog.
2: too. And I would, I would highly recommend, you know, just following her on, on, on the social media platforms, as well as checking out her website for updates. Um, Last piece of sort of admin for the podcast, as we've announced in all of our episodes so far in season three, Um, anything we get through Patreon for this season all the way through the end of the year, Joshua made this commitment in our last interview, Um, we are going to donate to Hospitality House here in San Francisco, uh, and they serve individuals that have mental health issues, as well as addiction issues, get them housing and do peer to peer counseling as well as like art therapy. It's just a completely amazing program. And they are in these times in desperate need of whatever they can get. Um, so anything that we collect over the next few months through the end of December will go to them. Um and check out Danny's website. It's her full name, Danny Burlson.com.
0: Thank you.
2: Correct. So any, any any parting words for us, Danny? <laughs> no.
1: This is nice to talk to you guys. I haven't oh. seen you both in person for a while, especially Joshua. Yeah.
2: So, uh, well, when Built to oh. Spill, when we do that show in November, which it sounds like we're they've rescheduled it for, I will still, I will offer you up the same offer that I gave you before
1: hopefully doug will let me go after that stony thing that i wrote about him in the bohemian
2: <laughs> he doesn't want to do my podcast
1: so. <laughs> he like got too high to do the interview with me so kevin and oh. i just hung out backstage and i was just like what
2: is we, got, we got we con- got i got i got a contact high for the first time in like 20 years oh, wow. yeah, it was, it was i'll fun. be at
0: that show um thanks for listening everybody and uh we'll see you next time